interesting subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today, the futurist, my mom. Hey. And so, we talked about robots last week. We did. And I got my robot finally up and running properly. They're actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. I was, I was impressed. Lots of movement on these little little guys. Right, Lots. left, backwards, forwards. They, mm-hmm. They're actually they're actually pretty cool. They move around quite a bit. And that got us thinking about what we were promised in the future and we haven't received at all. Or rather, movies that are portraying the future um, in an interesting way. Well, and here's, and here's the interesting thing. I'm still a believer in Moore's theory. You've heard about Moore's theory? No, I haven't, actually. Okay, so Moore's theory was originally applied to... Um, computers and speed and memory okay and his theory was that it would double uh every i believe it's 24 months and um and lots of people have likened Moore's Moore's theory said said it really applies not just to to memory it applies to technological advancements every time you have a technical technological advancement that build the next one builds on it Mm -hmm. it's a building block for the next one and um that that the speed of, of technology will keep up with Moore's theory. So let me let me look. I'm gonna look this up just real quick. So so I think a lot of what was forecast for us when we look at um, the perception that the number of transistors on a microchip doubles every two years. Okay, um, though the cost of the computers will be halved, and that was really true in the early days of computers. Things became obsolete, large mainframe systems. I remember walking into my father's office in the 60s, and there was a whole glass enclosed room, looked like the room from Hidden Figures, with these huge reels. Everything that was in that room is now on my laptop. Oh, I remember remember our first big computer, um, you know, hard drive with the old CRT monitor. We would have we had it initially in that the living, big monitor we had it we had it in the living room and it, it and, was we, a, and we, then we built a room for it and then we yeah and then you guys built a room for it which i still find which i still think is amazing we built a room for it but do you realize why that room has that large opening and where that opening is on that wall mm-hmm. do you know why it's there yes because from the kitchen counter mm-hmm. we can look straight through there and not look like we're looking over your shoulders but we could monitor what you were doing Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's like a four foot wide opening and it's, it's perfectly angled so that you can see straight to where the computer uh, monitor is. Mm-hmm. And that was built in our garage. Yeah, so we built part- out a portion of the garage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and absolutely true. I mean, I always tend to tell people when they're looking at buying laptops is that, you know, spend the money now to buy a lot on your laptop. Because in about, you know, 36 months to two or three years, it's going to be obsolete or it's going to be old hat. Like, I was literally at the point here today where I was like, you know what, I should probably get a new, you should probably get a new flash car or a new flash drive. Um, the one I have right now, the, because I use it so much, it's a little wobbly on the USB connector. And so I was having trouble loading it initially today. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just get another one. This one, I think, is like eight megs, eight gigabytes on it here. Um, and then I was looking online, it was like, I could get a full terabyte flash drive for not even like 50 bucks. 
Yeah, well, no, I negotiated through uh, Alibaba for um, a foster teen program that I run. Mm-hmm. And kids right now during the pandemic um, are needing flash drives because they're having to share. If you live in a group home, you're having to share computers. Mm-hmm. So we provided each child with a flash drive. It's 64 gigabyte, and I negotiated 100 of them um, for 320 a piece. $3.20 a piece? or yep. That's a really good deal for 64 megs. Well, I bought 100 of them. Oh, yeah. But um, uh, and I and uh, and we and we deployed all hundred of them. Mm-hmm. All hundred went went to went into into a kid's hand oh, no. um, for them to be able to save their homework. Well, not even just their homework. I mean, like in my case, you know, again having a terabyte stick drive here, like, and, and now mind you, I didn't get a terabyte stick drive. Right. I didn't get like a one twenty eight for like fifteen bucks. Yeah, and it's still like, because again, I remember back when I was. Uh, easily like 15 years ago here now when I was carrying those to and from work because I would keep you know I'd bring my homework with me and keep it on there yeah. and then do my homework um, at the hotels in between when guests were checking in Yeah. because I was a, a late night guy and there were no managers there so I could get away with that Yeah. Um, and I, remember- I, used to, I used to use I'll give you my version of that I used to use the IBM Selectric in, um, in reservations to type papers mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like, oh man, this has got like a gig on here, man. Like that's yeah. a lot of space I can put yeah. on this drive. And now I'm like, man, a gig. Like I think my left foot takes that up. That takes up that much space. Yeah. No, it's interesting because um, you know the price of the of those exactly those sorts of things has come down so drastically. I think of it in terms of computer uh, uh, camera memory cards, mm-hmm. where you used to used to take you know I'll take a one twenty eight if I go to Africa or something like that. Um, and it used to be that um, that I'd have one and I'd have to make sure I wiped it out and cleared it and saved all those pictures up. Now I can just buy another one because they're so cheap. Mm-hmm. You know? So so Moore's theory has come true. Yes. And the, and the speed has not slowed down of that either. Basically, the, the idea was that capacity will double every two years and the cost will come down by half. And, and that's pretty much stayed true because if you applied inflation to the original cost of an IBM AT, um, that IBM AT would be six $7,000 now from the time that it was originally created in the late 80s. So there's or a, early 80s, so, early 80s. So there's a guy online um, who I follow called the 8-Bit Guy, and he restores... Um, vintage computers from uh-huh. the 70s and 80s and early 90s and these are a lot of a lot of these computers are like the um osborns and like uh apple ones and like a bunch of old early mac very very old computers i had an early mac back in the day that had the signature of everybody who worked on it on the inside case mm-hmm. yeah again very old mac macintoshes and apples and um he would occasionally he has the ads or he has the clippings or or the ad catalogs that came you know for stuff like Radio Shack or other the places that sold these computers and you look at the price of that and they're the same prices today except that like this computer for what it was back in the day of 1980 money and that's and, and remember today's money is unadjusted for, mm-hmm. for inflation. inflation yeah again still like they're still like asking for somewhere in the neighborhood of like anywhere from like $1,000 to $1,200. Again, if you assume inflation, 
it's got to be at least worth like five or six thousand dollars for these computers and it's just it makes me wonder what we what we paid for the one that we had for so long initially and, and that would again because i remember playing on that back in like 1987 1988 yeah we had an ibm xt which we invested in for you guys to be able to to because we we saw technology coming and it was what we were working on in our offices and um and we wanted you to have the best and that was that was like 1200 dollars back in the day yeah and i and i remember over the time that pop would keep expanding it and yeah. putting new stuff in there. I remember when the going big- to fries, which <laughs> which we talked about last week. Going to fries and expanding it. So I think I think what's happened is is I think people saw technology coming and saw how quick technology was coming and um and extrapolated from that where we'd be. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of things. Like like when I was the only girl on the water polo team I never foresaw that there be whole teams for water polo for girls. That's happened. Um, but then other things have not. The workplace is still not equal for women. And I can tell you I fought battles for that because I'm in a job that would have, you know, 30 years ago been traditionally held by a man. Mm-hmm. And um, those things are still a challenge for us. So it's interesting to me to see what we forecast 30 years ago compared to where we are so i spent the better portion of two days compiling at least seven pages worth of notes on movies primarily movies and occasionally some tv shows about the future that we ne- that hasn't come yet or okay. in some cases has come and gone so um well, and one of the things I bet you didn't include in this is I'd always like to see um, simple things like Bond movies and and gadgets that they have that still haven't come to pass. Oh yeah, no. no. Again, again, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on here that are Q, Q was before his time. Oh, very. Well, again, the, the pen camera, the trailer. yeah, yeah. Again, still think of Dick Tracy and the smartwatch. The smartwatch. We have smartwatches. We now. have smartwatches now, absolutely. Again, my favorite though, and the first one I have on here is literally Star Trek. Perfect. Because I think Star Trek is what I find hilarious is that not you know is that like. Are we going to post the cool graphic? Of the graphic I sent you that shows shows. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. that's li- a, literally is, what this entire episode is based off of. Yeah. There we have a really cool graphic that um, that shows. Uh, movies and what time frame that they were um, looking forward into. Where now? So Star Trek is what is when? So Star Trek technically takes place between the twenty second and the or the twenty third and the twenty fourth centuries. Where all the mainline Star Trek from the original series up through Next Generation, D- Deep Space Nine. There's a series called Enterprise, which does take place in the 22nd century, um, but a majority of it does take place in the um, 23rd and 24th. Okay. Um, I mean, Star Wars is twenty is 23rd, right? Star Wars? Yeah. Is undefined. Is undefined. Yes. And okay. The, the, there's a lot of movies which I did not include, either because, A, they have an undefined... A future uh, point of origin. Uh-huh. So, like, I can't really tell, like, what century they're in, or 
they're more or less like not tied to our own real world. Like for example, like the Hunger Games was one I didn't include on here at all because while it's kind of rooted in what would be society here, it takes place in a futuristic sort of setting where there's a entirely other continents and, and things like that at the end of the day. So I, so it, so you're sort of making a delineation between what's fantasy and what's projected reality. Yeah, yeah, future. Yeah, you get your what could be potentially future technology and future stuff that w can or would would occur over um, stuff that either is not rooted in what is current right now. So again, okay. as much as like the Hunger Games is very much rooted in what is our kind of current level of politics and world yeah. settings and stuff. It was deliberately not included because it takes place in a completely fictionally made country that doesn't necessarily have the same geopolitical world that we okay. have right now. Okay. Um, I tried to keep everything that would have been related to that would be possible and or based off of now and less of the um, super, less stuff that would be well, fantastical by nature. Yeah. Okay. So again, so... Is my, you know so again like lightsabers and Star Wars isn't included in this because you know all that technology is so advanced that there's no grounding in what would be modern day okay but what what has always fascinated me about Star Wars in terms of, of future societies is Star Wars projects into the future these spaceships and the whole Death Star and all this technology, all this technology. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're flying through space to other galaxies on an X-wing. Mm -hmm. um, it projects all this technology, and yet the worlds that it lands on, they're living in caves. They're living in grass mud huts. They're living in things that would be be considered third world in modern times. And and it always it always struck me as very um, not ironic very um, I'm not I, I I know what I mean I'm not coming up with the word but but um, very it, it always interested me that you had all this super it's advanced it's a weird dichotomy between yeah. the super technological super technology and yet the fact that a lot of the people realistically though or on these rather undeveloped planets that we don't really see a whole lot of technology. On undeveloped planets using robots. Yeah. And, and the sand people are collecting parts with this weird sand ship um, that, that moves across the world. The desert, I mean, yeah, yeah and, and, and collects pieces of left left behind technology and yet people are still cooking under on an open fire in a in a mud hut. And, and and literally, if you travel, you see, I mean, there, I've been to, to, you know, if you go out in the Thar Desert in India, if you um, go to Morocco, um, people living out on nomads, still big nomadic life in, in places like Morocco and Tunisia and Algeria, um, is still nomads with an unchanged lifestyle from 500 years ago. So it exists in this world too. Maybe that's what it's mimicking. Mm -hmm. We have skyscrapers in the same country in downtown Casablanca or Tangiers. You have skyscrapers in the same country that you have people living and still selling things in Medinas that were there 2,000 years ago and unchanged and look very biblical. Um, so maybe it's mimicking that, but I thought it was so, I always found it very interesting that Star Wars in every single 
episode features spaceships but they land on worlds that are are completely are still you're living in caves mm-hmm. and i think part of that for star wars because the majority of star wars is set in what would be the outer rim which is kind of like the wild west of the, yeah. of the world you yeah know? Because um, we see planets like Alderaan, Coruscant, you know, Lando Calrissian's gig. Yeah, yeah, like these are all like very, very, you know, futuristic with like senses, especially uh, uh, Naboo at the end of the day. But then you have Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, but then I have Jabba the Hutt, and I like Jabba the Hutt. I do. He's cool. Um, I want to go to his bar. I just want to hang there. I just, I just want to hang in the so bar. One episode when COVID gets released. We'll be on theme parks, and we're going back to Disneyland. Oh, very good. Or, or, or I saw I saw a thing of the the um, with the Marvel Campus and Marvel Universe. I mm-hmm. saw a thing on that. They're they're working. They're literally building that up right now. Yeah. Again, um, I almost wonder if it's a trip for us to go to Florida here to go visit Walt Disney World because that'll have. Uh, but again, Disneyland as it is here because it's very local to us. That's a that's a day trip for no, us. Oh, not, not a fan of Florida. Okay. It's hot and sweaty. It's true. Um, but they have the new Star Wars land that's over there, so you can go yeah. into a cantina over there. Oh, I love that. place you can actually get an actual alcoholic beverage there, too, apparently. Ooh. I well, I, I'm not a big drinker, but... I know, but yeah, the, the chance to do that inside the park. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, But going back to Star Trek, again, one of the reasons I really love Star Trek is that I think that what I find so interesting is that almost all scientists and all futurists have watched and loved Star Trek. I, very famously, one of the um, actors who played, uh, or the actor, the actress that played uh, Catherine Janeway made a point of saying is that, like, not all Star Trek fans are astronauts, but all astronauts are Star, Star Trek, Trek fans. fans. Um, <laughs> I love that. Which is, you know, and literally to the point of, like, one, one of the astronauts brought her own um, Star Trek uniform into her in space and was wearing it on the space sta- International Space Station. Which is really pretty cool. But one of the things I really like about Star Trek um, is what I think is the most poignant technology outside of it was um, not only the communicator, you know, this uh, little badge you hang on your left hand and the left side on your on your basically your uniform. You just hit it. It's like you can talk to an AI that'll that'll listen to you, and you can talk to other people immediately, and it immediately just recognizes who you need to talk to, which, again, is very reminiscent of what would be walkie-talkies back in the day, but now we can do it for, like, miles and miles away in some cases, which I think is absolutely fascinating. I think is absolutely uniquely interesting. And then from even just uh, Star Trek The Next Generation here, like, it, you know, they were predicting the, um, you know, these basically electronic pads that you walk around with and you take notes on and everything, and you do a lot of your work based off of uh, even just like their little desk computers that they have are basically laptops but they were running around with tablets I think they even called them tablets essentially well yeah if you think about it I, I could envision the doctor running around with one mm-hmm. yeah and, and that and that actually you're absolutely right that is that is something that's very very much come to be well I'm trying to find there's a there's I have a book um, it's from the great courses series uh, on audibles with a woman who actually is a physicist who um takes various various of these star trek is one of the ones she hits on and she talks about how the laws of physics 
are properly carried out or improperly carried out mm -hmm. in um, in in uh, various uh, futuristic sci-fi uh, shows. And and she was fascinating because um, she said that um, that that really all of these shows have have uh, employ people who um, are are phys uh, um, what do you call it? Professor of physics. They're a physicist. A physicist. Oh, I'm sorry. There you go. So our employ physicists to make sure that they get the technology right, and that what they're forecasting is something that that to our known our known process could be could be true. Um, and she was really really fascinating. I really enjoyed um, the the series. Um, it's like ten or twelve chapters. Um, but um, but she really did uh, give you a good feel for what what that what how how true that was. Yeah, and how true like these worlds are. I imagine Star Wars would be the worst example of it. But. Star Trek, according to her, Star Trek was amazingly um, accurate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not finding it here. I was going to try to give you the, the title of it um, or her name. But, um, but uh, and I, I have 113 books on, on Audible. So Sounds like you read a couple books. Yeah, I read a couple books. Um, <laughs> and, and so I'm not, I'm not um, finding it here. But, um, but she, she actually, she does a really good job of giving you a rundown of how many of these shows actually do follow the laws of physics. One of my favorite examples of physics is in a TV show called... And you've taken college physics mm -hmm. courses, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite examples of physics in a TV show um, is a TV show called Firefly. Now, it was a can it's a canceled show. It only... I, I references to it in Big Bang. Yes. It is a super beloved sci-fi series for nerds because it ended so early because it kept getting bounced around on Fox. I think it only yeah. has like, I think like, it was set for a 13 episode run and it only ever released like 10 or 11 of its episodes. Um, but my favorite part of that entire series is that everything that takes place in space is done in absolute silence. Oh, really? So every exterior shot when you're in space is an absolute no silence. No there's no whooshing. There's no roar of any engines. There's no, there's no sound of any. Because we're beyond the speed of sound. No, because there's no air in space, and it can't noise can't travel in space. Oh. So whenever you get exterior shots of them in space, you don't hear any noise at all because again you can't because there's no air in space to allow it to bounce off of anything. Yeah. Versus, um, versus when you're in the ship, you hear like the rumblings of the engines. You hear kind of like bolts kind of, you know, like they're about to get, you know, jettisoned out of their things and you hear like the rubbing of metal and everything. But when you're outside of it, when you're outside in space and you're either, either flying past something or they're well, that like would make explosions away, absolutely boring. It They'd does. just be visual. It does. Because again, even though the series got canceled, they had like what would have been like their, like their final foray in a movie called Serenity. And in the process of, in Serenity, they actually had to do all the sound effects in space, much to the chagrin of these audio engineers, they were like, but, but there's no sound. But it in, wouldn't. But yeah. there's no sound in space. Yeah, 
but you have all these space exterior shots, and if you don't have sounds that go along with it, you know, to mimic those sounds, like, because again, they'll have sweeping music that plays over yeah. the stuff that's happening, but you don't actually get, like, the roar of the engines or anything like that. I, I thought so it was the such, explosion of the Death Star would be just, silent. Which would be very silent. Just minus, visual. Minus the background music that you would yeah. have that, yeah. that would accompany it. Wow. Okay. You know, you wouldn't hear the, you know, the room. Like you can hear in your head right now the X-Wings and the oh, yeah. tie, and oh, the yeah. and the TIE Fighters just kind Absolutely. of moving around. Now imagine those entire scenes in pure silence without any additional noise. How boring it would be. Interesting. And again, partly why there's not a lot of exterior shots of it, but when they are there, like, they're like purposeful it feels like so well i mean what made me think when you said that that uh uh you know not not all sci-fi uh fans are or not all star or star trek fans are, are fans of or astronauts but all astronauts, astronauts are star trek fans, fans. yeah it, that's what made me think of the, the physicist who loved sci-fi mm -hmm. and um and and you know did this whole lecture series on on how how they got it right and wrong to finish up Star Trek, what I would recommend, what I what I love about Star Trek here is that the tricorder, yeah, is basically our smartphone. Yep. And to the fact that I can actually on my smartphone right now, I can get a. Except they can't teleport on it. Well, okay. The tricorder is never going to let you transport at all. But oh, okay. I love the, I just love the notion that like you can actually get the L cars. Um, operating system, the look that looks like the Star Trek uh -huh. for your phone, and I have, again, I have, like we said last week, I have it on my tablet here as well. So if I ever want to just pretend I'm in a Star Wars setting, I can turn that on literally and just start playing around with it. And it does all the same functions, and it has all the same things you would do, but it's all in what looks like the L cars uh, Star Trek. Uh, so Star Trek's got, got tablets right before tablets existed. Mm -hmm. No, they were right on, right on the money here. Um, other things, though, in Star Trek that happened but didn't necessarily actually happen, um, because we have to remember that when the original Star Trek was preparing back in 1968, 1970s here, mm -hmm. um, they predicted the eugenics war of 1992 to 1996. This is also where we get uh, Kong Noon Singh, which is, again, mm -hmm. a, a big... Uh, basically, Star Trek Two is all about... The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Um, Khan, so there was this war basically where genetically altered people um, believed they were the superior human race and tried to basically overthrow the Earth to put themselves in charge um, with a death total of 37 million people from the Whoa. eugenics war. Yeah. Um, they also predict here in 2053 of World War Three, which will come up a lot here. Okay. So, um, and then by 2063, we will have developed the first warp technology, which will allow us to, um, you know, which will allow us to meet the Vulcans finally and be able to start the Federation. Well, and, and I'm, I'm going to go back to, to Einstein here because we've mm -hmm. talked about, about uh, physics. Um, Einstein has a very famous quote that says, I, I don't know what weapons World War Three will be fought with. Mm-hmm. But World War Four, World War Four will be fought with rocks. Yeah, with sticks and stones. Yeah. Yep, I've heard that one before. Yeah. Yeah, and so World War Three tends to be a really big commonality, along with nuclear disaster here in, in a lot of these future stories. Um, a little known TV series called Thundar the Barbarian. Now, the only reason. <laughs> what you watch? What, the, you watch what is Thundar? 
they, we, I, I, I've got He's to a imagine. Barbarian. Yeah, I've got to imagine that's that. That's got to be modeled after Conan. Yeah. The so it's, it's kind of slightly buried off of Conan. Um, the only reason I'm aware of it is because I've watched, I think, every single cartoon opening from the 70s up through the early 2000s. And this was back in the day when, like, the opening, the opening intro, like, told their narration for it, which was the opening uh-huh. theme song, which was nothing but a narrator just telling the entire plot. Basically, yeah. the notion okay. here is that... In 1994, according to the premise of the TV show, a rogue planet passes between the moon and the Earth, robbing the Earth of its um, sun? atmosphere. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And as a result, it create in leaving behind these comic radiational sort of waves, so it causes massive tsunamis that where the planet's kind of where the planet's uh, uh, ecosystem kind of takes back over the world. It eventually kind of dies down, and we get to the part where we get now. Super, te- we get like technology is still continuing to match, but we get magic and sorcery again. And so, the main part of this entire series relies on Thundar the Barbarian, who is a barbarian, mm-hmm. um, with his psychic Mook, which is like a basically an analog for Chewbacca. Okay, um, in almost every single sense, like he's literally co pilot of a ship, um, and a sorceress who aids them. Again, it is from, I believe, 19... I, I want to say it's from 1982, 83, 84, in that particular realm. And it saw it, it saw that happening in 1994? Saw, it saw this eventual thing happening in 1994, 10 year, a couple years from then. But realized during the 80s is really when we first became environmentally, really environmentally aware. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people were... were Concerned about that kind that, of stuff, yeah. yeah. Interesting. The next one on my list is A Clockwork Orange. Ooh, awesome movie. Yes. A classic. Very much. It predicts that in 1995 that um, some sort of world devastation has kind of harbored everybody into these criminal gangs. Milk has now got, like, drugs laced with it. Um, It it reminds me of some of the stories of the Yakuza in in Japan. Yep. Um, And... The lead title character, Alex, gets uh, what we now know, know as aversion therapy to doing violence in, uh, for criminals, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very kooky stuff when you watch it and you consider this came out back in, what, like the 70s? Yeah. You know, like, it was it, very it, trippy. It was a very, but it was a very, like, vogue movie. It was one of those things that, that if you were cool. You it, watched it. Yeah. You watched A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Yeah. The next one on my list I have here is V for Vendetta. Ooh. So V for Vendetta has two different variations on this. So there's the original. So keep in mind, V for Vendetta came out in, I want to say it came out in the 80s. This would have been right after or right around the time of Watchmen because it's made by, because it was done by the same guy who made Watchmen. And it doesn't seem like it's that old a movie. No, not the movie, but the comic. Oh, the comic. So the comic came out okay. in the 80s. I was going to say, because... Mo- the movie came out in the early 2000s. I want to say 2004, 2005, I want to say. Um, but the original 2000, but the original comic book version of it here describes that in between 1985... The events all take place between 1985 and 1986. Then in 1980... 1982. 
Yeah, so in 1982, that there's a series DC of... DC Comics. Yeah. Okay. So it describes that a nuclear war, basically, in the 1980s, devastates much of Africa and Europe, and causes, like, you know, basically makes Europe, most of Europe and um, Africa completely uninhabitable, along with the rest of the world being in just a massive poverty sort of state. Uh, Britain itself wasn't bombed, but feels this huge effects of uh, feels the effects of all the radiation everywhere. They're the, close. You know, the, the um, tectonic shifting, you know, obviously the loss of some polar ice caps here. Um, and so the corporations and the fascist groups eventually take over the country that are leaving to the events here. Now, in the reimagining 2005 version, the events take place in between 2025 and 2026. So in we're which, coming up on it. Coming up on it, yeah. Um, in which uh, the result of the United States' second civil war causes a worldwide disease to spread. Okay, so let's stop right there. I know, let's, right? Let's, I'm right? Yeah, let's stop right there. <laughs> so so could we foresee in, in four years that we might have a second, a second civil war, given that we'll have elections coming up in, in 2024? Um, and, and, it, and right now... We're in the middle of a deadly pale leg. Yeah, it's absolutely foreseeable. It's, it's it's almost scary that it's being foretold like this, too. Gosh. I know, right? And, yeah. and so as a result of as a result of this worldwide disease that's being spread apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I know. Again, like it's I, just too prophetic. I, I I read it and I was just like, "Oof. Oof. Are we sure that's are we sure this isn't future predicting again?" Yeah. Um as a result of this year, corp- uh, neo-fascist organization basically creates a police state out of the British government, which uh, rounds up undesirable individuals, which include political opponents, immigrants, Jews, Muslims, atheists, homosexuals, and others to be imprisoned and eventually executed under the guise of keeping um, the people safe uh, from themselves in this police state. Safe from ourselves. Which is what I think, you know, like... Which is what I actually do worry about as a future here, that, like, I think there's somebody out there that's going to get control and is going to keep us from making progressions. I mean, I think I think the most logical variant of that right now is probably going to be abortion now. People have, you know, like, the idea here that, like, you can't do abortion because you're trying to protect human lives, but you don't, but they, these people also don't care about human lives that are already out there. Like, once... You know? Yeah. So, so if you if you if you prevent abortion, are you are you then providing for the child that's going to be born? Yeah. Um, who wasn't who wasn't necessarily planned? Yeah. And then that they literally, you know, like it. It's there's there's a, I find that such an interesting economy here at the end of the day that like, oh well, you have to have the baby, but we're not going to help you have the baby because you have to have the baby. People need to redefine what they consider pro life. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Just a polit- little political statement there. So, um, Terminator Two, Judgment Day. When is that? When is that? Uh... That was supposed to happen in '97. So Terminator. So. Wow. Yeah. So Terminator Two basically tells the story. Um, if, if you're not familiar with Terminator in general, it tells of a future in which um, AI has evolved to the point where. It's a rogue AI known as Skynet, which was, I think, originally intended to be some sort of military software. Uh, basically, takes over all the computers and networks in the world, in the in the world, creating robotic skeletons known as Terminators to hunt down 
uh, humans with the guise of humans have basically destroyed the world and robots need to make sure that it continues onward. Um, in this case of uh, Terminator 2, a Terminator in the guise of Arnold Schwarzenegger is sent back to present to protect John Connor, the future uh, savior of humanity, uh, or future resistance leader of uh, of the human the remaining humans in the future here, um, to basically protect him from a new thing that's coming out. And the idea of Terminator Two was that, um, or at least what's interesting about Termi about the Terminator franchise is that. Um, and and again, I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler anymore because it's almost the premise of certain movies in some uh -huh. cases. Is that um, the idea being is there at least in the first Terminator was that the notion the notion was that they were taking was the butterfly effect. Yeah. That by going back in that by sending a Terminator back in time to kill Sarah Connor, you would not let John Connor get born, so that she would change the entire future, future. at the at yeah. the end of the day. Um, and as a result, they send Kyle Reese, which is John Connor's father, into the past, who ends up creating John Connor. So it's actually not a butterfly effect. It's actually a, you know, this was always meant to happen scenario. It was an unavoidable event. Yeah. So that way, because again, in order for John Connor to be born born at all, you have to send Kyle Reese back to the past in order to um, make sure that he does the... Uh, horizontal mambo with Sarah yeah. Connor to make yeah. John Connor. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting in that particular sense that like Skynet thinks, you know, that this there at least that this would happen at the end of the day. It's an wait, so so it's an interesting it's always been interesting to me that that we for we foretell time travel. Mm -hmm. In so many, I mean, from from the from the the early nineteen you know mid nineteenth century, mm -hmm. and with with the time machine, we have always foretold travel. Time travel. Time travel. Sort. Time travel. But in all these versions of time travel, um, if time travel existed, mm -hmm. wouldn't one of the first people you take out be Adolf Hitler? But as of as of now. Adolf Hitler has existed. So, therefore, I'm going to say mm -hmm. we had we we, we uh, in future generations don't master time travel. I I actually would disagree. I think okay. we do. Ma I think we do. I don't think we ever get to time travel. The logic of time travel um, is a twofold scenario: mm -hmm. is that there are infinite number of possibilities in the universe in which stuff has happened. So if you assume that there is an infinite possibility between like flipping a coin and landing heads or tails at a lot of mm -hmm. the time, which is not really a game of chance, because again, it all the, really does depend on how hard you flick the, your thumb at the end of the day. Yep. But the way we humans like to operate, everything is very random. So again, right. we can say yes or no to a thing based off any number of different variables at the end of the day. With no. Well, are we going to get into Schrodinger's cat? <laughs> because it's it either is dead or it's not. Yes. Um, <laughs> But it but again it both exists at the same time until you actually view the and, result. And, yeah, you, yeah. And actually, that's actually probably a really good analogy here is that like until we actually see the events of time travel, we won't we can't actually know that they actually exist because either a, it's happened somebody's gone back in time and actually caused a new future to occur, which again is very similar to what I think um, Endgame does with some of its time travel elements right. here. Um, especially if you consider I, and, and and mind you, I loved that about Endgame. Mm -hmm. I thought it actually dealt with that well. 
the new Loki series is actually be very interesting in that particular regard, actually. So I'm really excited for when that comes out later on this fall. So we have all sorts of new stuff filming right mm-hmm. now. Oh, this one's mostly filmed. I think already they're, done. Yeah, it's, it's they're, wait, the they're waiting to release it. I think it's either July or fall, somewhere around there. That's coming. There's out. some exciting stuff going on. We mm-hmm. were talking about it before we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so again, go back to time travel here. Like either a People have gone in past already, and they've changed the events, but we don't notice it because it creates an alternate future that branches off from our original future, where we still exist in this future versus that future. So, so they did. So they did cause cause Hitler's death, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and just that, not as early as we would have liked it to have been. Well, they caused Hitler's death, but again, we still live on this plane versus they are now plane. traveling in that plane. So that. Plane. Oh, so it creates a whole different. A whole different possibility in universe. It's it's this is very well explained actually in Back to the Future too, where again we now exist uh, we exist on parallel A, but there's a parallel B universe that's all parallel B timeline that's going on that now that you've gone back and changed the events, those events now occur instead. So there's that, or it's the Terminator effect in which like regardless of anybody going back in time, they were never successful in killing Hitler. Or somebody else took the place of Hitler or something else here that continued the series of events as happening as intended. So what so okay. So one of my favorite time travel movies, and this will sound ridiculous, mm-hmm. is Peggy Sue Got Married. Okay. And in it, um, this middle aged woman, um, whose children are are now becoming adults, her husband's having an affair and has left her. Um uh passes out at a reunion and goes back to high school and one of the things she does when she goes back is she she befriends the smartest boy in school and she tells him all about computers and pantyhose um, because she's stunned when she she uh, remembers that she has to put on stockings with clips which existed when i was in middle school but thankfully we're gone by the time i i made high school as pantyhose started coming out um, but you used to have to wear garter belts with little snaps to put on put, put on stockings. So and they're just they're not just sexy anymore. Yeah, they were so functional. They were functional and they were pain in the absolute tush. Um, but she tells him about pantyhose. She tells him about computers. She tells him about all these technological advances that she doesn't necessarily understand because she's a housewife. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and and so. It got me to thinking the first time I saw the movie how much of what we exist exists because she told him it would. Yes. And he and he becomes you see him at the reunion he becomes this multimillionaire. Another another um, uh, guy who she um, dates very quickly who was the the poet and and sort of guitar player artsy guy um, in high school she befriends him as well. And he goes on to write a very famous poem that's dedicated to her. And, um, or a whole book, I think, of poetry that's dedicated to her that becomes very famous. And and um, and you see the butterfly effect. Changing it. Changing it. And, um, and uh, it, it, it was interesting to me that that was one concept of what time travel could be. Hmm. Okay. It was interesting. Yeah, and yeah. Um, one of my favorite examples of time travel is also actually the fourth Star Trek movie, oddly enough. Um, so Star Trek home, for the return, the voyage home, I think is what it's called, if memory serves me correctly. Uh-huh. Um, 
basically takes place with the original Star Trek crew of Kirk, Spock, and them in a Klingon bird of prey flying to flying around the sun to go back in time to like early or like the like late 80s San Francisco to basically steal whales because in the future there's an alien thingy that's over the earth that's basically like destroying it that only speaks in whale tones and they haven't been able to mimic that so they figure if they actually bring whales from the past because they're not in the present anymore because they've been all been whaled at, they've been all been killed they're via extinct, whaling yeah yeah. Um, that they'll be able to save um, humanity. That they'll be able to save humanity. Now, again, a lot of that goes to the time period in which that was filmed, which was the eighties, right? Yep. When we were first aware, became aware, and you had Greenpeace really mm-hmm. coming into the fore, um, first becoming aware of, of both animal extinction and and uh, and climate change. So one of one of my favorite examples is that um, they need to make a glass container um, in the cargo hold of the Klingon ship to be able to um, hold the uh, whales in temporarily uh-huh. while they travel around the sun and through space. Um, and to do that, they need to make a certain type of glass at the end of the day. And come to find out that like they basically reach a this company to make the glass for them, and the guy's like, "Oh wow, this will." This will give you so much tensile strength and everything. And like, one of the guys looks at him and is like, "Why'd you? Why'd you do that? Why'd you? Why'd you give them all this? That's technology. That's future knowledge that they shouldn't have." It's like, he's the guy that invents it. Oh wow! So they give it to the literally to the they don't they don't realize it until later on that they realize oh yeah that was the guy that actually invented this technology anyways yeah of these super strong glass at the end of the day uh, even in the most recent um, rebooting of Star Trek here. Spock um, puts in a formula into the computer that says you can travel, you can teleport to a ship that's in warp. And he's like, well, you can't do that. The formula doesn't exist. How do you know it exists? You know, it's like, because you're the one that made it. I would know if I made it. And he's talking to Scotty at this point. Yeah. And Scotty's like, I know I would, I would have made, I would have known if I'd created that or not. And then he looks at it again. He's like, huh. I never thought about space being the actual thing that moved. And then he like finally realizes and he creates this entire So again, like that's yep. that's the version of like science that's the version here. Well and, 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 and of sorts that goes back to Einstein's famous thought thought experiments. Mm-hmm. Um the next one after that, uh, that also came up in nineteen ninety seven was Escape to Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. In which um humanity's crime rate in the nineteen in late nineteen eighties, I believe nineteen eighty eight. Uh, rose by over 400%, which basically forced them to turn Manhattan Island into a massive prison. Wow. Which I don't think would happen. The property value in Manhattan would be rather expensive to do that. You know, what's interesting about about a lot of the the, the sort of apocalyptic future movies is that they don't forecast us being the better better angels of our nature. One of them gets a little bit closer to that here. Okay. The next one after that I have found was Lost in Space. Launched in 1997, Jupiter 2. Uh-huh. Um, and it was mostly due to overpopulation of our world. Keep in mind, Lost in Space is, what, 1965? They're the Robinson Caruso mm-hmm. of, of the... Of, uh, space. Space, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
in literally the Robinson family. Yes. Um, next one after I have is Demolition Man. Ooh. So Demolition Man, uh, 1996 cryogenic freezing of criminals. Yeah. Um, and to come to 2010, which a great earthquake merges parts of northern and southern California. Because, again, they're on that fault line, essentially, yeah. at the end of the day. Um, and then by 2032, you have San Angeles, which is the merging of Los Angeles, San Diego, and Santa Barbara into a megapopropolis uh, uh-huh. that's practically utopian in setting, almost. like California has good weather. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, police force is very minimal. Everyone's got cars that drive them to places. Um, they even have weird high fives, and they have the three seashells, which, okay, you ever been told about the three seashells? Uh, three shells. Shelly goes okay, so seashells. Okay, so in so a running joke inside of Demolition Man. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Except for the you know, except for the you know, so one of the running jokes is that um, Stallone's character curses a lot, so he's fined credits every single time he does that, mm-hmm. which is one credit. Um, and then in going to the bathroom, they don't have toilet paper anymore. All they have are these three shells. And we're not talking bidets. No. No. So Stallone makes a point of coming out of the bathroom and asks, he's like, what the hell is up with the with the shells? And everyone kind of looks at him funny. This is like freaking Neanderthal. He doesn't know how to use the shells. How do you use the shells? Nobody ever explains it. Nobody ever shows you what the shells look like either. It's just this running joke throughout the thing. And the way Stallone eventually gets around it here is that he goes to a machine that finds him whenever you do curses. So uh-huh. he just curses a whole bunch, grabs the paper paper fines, and takes those to the bathroom with him. Cute. Again, a, a nice running joke here. Uh, you have oh, this is one of my favorite ones, which I didn't think, which I don't think you would have thought of here at all. Night Rider. Oh. Uh-huh. <coughs> so Night yeah. Rider, a very popular uh, show of the. Uh, Early '80s or late '70s? I want to say. Well, let's let's see. In in which you have a a talking. You have a talking car, car. named Kit. And you have sonic pistols. So this isn't like my mother, the car. No, 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 no. Which was also a talking car. Yeah, 1982. 1982. Um, in which. Um, David Hasselhoff. David Guns are outlawed here now, but you have sonic pistols, and the idea was the talking car would was to help you do crime. I never watched the TV series, so you'll have to. Well, and 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 I wasn't a big fan of it, but but what time? Because I always thought that was pretty much in modern times. It's it's set in the two thousands, is what they're saying. So, yes. Well, okay. So so not that so twenty years ahead of its time. Um. Yeah, he he is he is of sorts a a a, a crime fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Michael Knight. He's a a, a high tech modern crime fighter, assisted by Kit, an advanced, artificially intelligent, self aware, and nearly indestructible car. Um, and uh, which was just a Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. Yeah, me. yeah. You know, I mean, it was a cool <laughs> car, but but it, it, by the time it was projected into it, would have been retro. Oh yeah, um, and I don't I don't remember having a, a real sense that it was really that far into the future. But I guess twenty years really wouldn't have been that far into the future. Mm-hmm. It, 
again, according to the Wikipedia article. But he, he, he was a self-made millionaire. He always reminded me of Bruce Wayne. Yes. Not a bad, again, Hasselhoff is Bruce Wayne. Not a bad, uh, not a bad choice at the end of the day, back in that day. Yeah. Yep. That's true. So then we get to the 2000s here. And I think you have the most prolific one of all, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay, so in the 60s, Mm -hmm. that's really what we thought the future would be. Remember that in the 60s when that was filmed, and and it's an an awesome movie. Oh, yes. And it really does warn about what technology Mm -hmm. could could end up with. Yeah. Get us up to it, yep. but um, in the '60s, we were getting, we were roti- we were, we were, you know, uh, revolving around the moon. We were sending satellites, and and we had the moon landing mm-hmm. um, at the end of the '60s. And this film was what '66, '67. Sixty, yeah, around that time. And um, and I re- I remember the first time I saw it. Um, we really did think that in forty years, thirty years we would be on spaceships in living in outer space on spaceships that this would be annoyed that we're not there already i i am as well we really did foresee that we were on the moon we were going to mars was next and um and we really did see the space program much further along than it is i mean it really suffered a setback um with the challenger Mm -hmm. which was the shuttle that that was blown up in 81 82 Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. Um, Even just the Apollo 13 kind of slowed it down a bit, I think. Yeah. So um, in the, in the, the 60s, we really did see that as an immediate future. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when you look at it, um, at, at 2001 A Space Odyssey, it really is forecasting a time that we're still nowhere near. It does forecast video conferencing. Video conferencing, advanced AIs. Yep, advanced AI. How? Mm-hmm. Dave? <laughs> it's, there's, there's some great, if you haven't seen it, there are some great conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do that, Dave. I can't do that, Dave. Um, in which AI actually becomes very menacing. It's, it's, in a cold, calculated way. And, it, and, and, and the ending is, is a different kind of apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I found it to be, um, I want that future already. Why Why can't we have that future already? You know, and, and, and when I was, you know, because when I watched it, I would have been, you know, 10 or 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited that that's what the future would be. I, would, I was excited that I would live to see that. Because to me, that seemed very probable. Oh, yeah. I, I'm hopeful that I will get to see it in my lifetime at this point here. I'm, I'm hopeful that you will, too. So is it veering off from the major um, movies and TV series here? I wanted to talk about Mega Man. So Mega Man is, which is a Capcom video game series originally published for the Nintendo Famicom in 1984. I want to say originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally took place in 20x. And X being just again the original way it would spit this was the way it was designed was to say two zero zero X. So it would happen within the first twenty first century, the so, first so, the first the so first decade. Sometime between twenty between two thousand one and two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. That 
uh, a robotics revolution would basically make it so that robots would start doing common jobs for us. You know, like garbage and other well, stuff you got like Roombas. that. No, like no, I mean like I mean, in yeah, taking out the garbage. You'd you know, have a firefighting. Rosie. You'd have a Rosie. You'd have a very. You'd have Rosie. Rosie is a, re- re- a re- uh, reference to, to the Jetsons. Jetsons. Mm-hmm. So there would be this big franchise here, and um, what would happen here is that there was a guy by the name of Doctor Wiley who also helped develop these robots, which basically figured out the way to turn these robots against humans. So that he could take over the world, and then Mega Man is supposed to basically stop him. Yeah. Um, and eventually got changed to 20XX, signifying it could happen anywhere between that first year. The follow up series to that, which is known as Mega Man X, mm-hmm. takes place in 21XX. So in the 20, you know, so the 22nd century, century at this yeah. point. Um, it's painting a, very, a similar version where um, there's a character named X, which is the. Um, evolutionary line of Mega Man and they're able to basically replicate this android um, into what they call reploids and these reploids you know basically carry on a lot more human sentience at the end of the day most of the population of the world is now these humanoid robots um, essentially but some of them go uh, either A they go crazy or B they revolt against uh, what's going on uh, and they would get turned into what they call Mavericks, and then X is designed to kind of come in on the back end and stop them. So there is, there's the Mega Man franchise. Uh-huh. Um, speaking of time travel, uh, you have the Time Cop mm-hmm. that says in 2004, um, time travel will exist as a way of stopping crime in some way or form. So you could, you could uh, travel backwards and prevent the crime. There have been a number of shows mm-hmm. that did that. Yeah. Because well, I, I, I think it's this nice idea of being able to say, like, we can go back and fix our mistakes. Or, or, th- or fix prevent them that, from happening. Precisely, yeah. There have been a number of TV shows um, that, that forecast being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that came up here was Transformers, the yeah. movie. Yeah. It apparently takes place... Apparently, they calculated this, to, you know, so this was in... 80s, early 80s, mid-80s TV show uh-huh. based off a very popular line of Japanese toys, right. which are still very popular, popular. to this day. Yeah. Um, I want that, a bumblebee. We all want a bumblebee. Just saying. Um, so it takes place in 2005, in which, or the movie does it, list, in which yeah. the Autobots, have, which are these giant massive robots that turn into vehicles and other stuff here, have helped human technology advance to something similar to what they have. Now they are sent by outside aliens. So most tra- so again the transformers are like are basically aliens, but like they're robot aliens. I guess is the best way to describe them. I mean, they all have what they call the spark, which is kind of like the way of calling it their soul or their brain or their right. heart. Even yeah. I guess is the best way to describe. I don't know the best way to describe that necessarily, um, but. The Transformers are they for... They personalities. Oh, yeah. No, they're, again, they're fully sentient, like, yeah. humans, except they're all made out of metal and transform right. into cars. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you have, again, the Transformers in, at least said that we would be at their level of technology by the movie, when that would have been set in 2005. Okay. So, okay that that didn't happen. Um, we obviously, we just finished watching Bicentennial Man. Yeah. It's supposed to take place between, like, 2005 and 2020, which... They get the robot at that point. 
It's not specific. And, and that was filmed. That was filmed in the in the mid nineties, mm -hmm. and so they they foresaw in ten years that you'd have house robots. Yeah, I I foresaw that too at the time. Now, if you go to Japan, I would there, like a house robot. Now, if you go to Japan, there are some house robots. They're not commonly sold. They're very much prototypes, uh, but they're the same kind of robots you can go to like Boston Dynamics and see as well. Okay. So, they are working on it. Well, and we, and we must be close because, as as I've mentioned before, we have um, robots in parking garages. Mm-hmm. We have uh, robots in our Amazon facilities all the time. Yeah. So, um, next one I have on my list is FreeJack. Oh. So FreeJack uh, basically presumes by 2009 the super wealthy have figured out how to gain immortality. And you know how they gain immortality? How? They go back in time to just before a person's about to die, steal that body, and then move, migrate their consciousness and memories into that new person, essentially taking that person from the past, taking them over. And the reason oh, for so that... Oh, so kind of like Heaven Can Wait mm -hmm. with Warren Beatty, or there was an earlier version of it, um, but, um, but with time travel. Yeah. And the reason why they don't use the human beings of 2009 is that most, hum most like... Humans that are not super wealthy, rich and rich and wealthy, excuse me, um, are either hopped up on drugs, uh -huh. or there's this massive pollution and environmental decay that's happening. So most people are not in a very good position outside of the super wealthy. So you got to go back in time and steal, you know, a healthier body. A healthier body that's just about to die from like an accident. Uh -huh. In this case, they steal a Formula One driver before he crashes into a wall I think it is or yeah. it has a horrible crash so that way you can't find the remains or the remains get charred at the end of the day um, and also predicts the ability to move your consciousness over to a new body yeah so I found that to be interesting okay now 2009 or 2000 so the uh, early 2000s I am legend with Will Smith um, predicts that in 2009 again they missed it by a couple of years. Yeah. They predicted an outbreak of a re-engineered measles virus that kills 94% of the populace. Ooh. And the other 5% turn into a zombie-like, what they call dark seekers, which basically hide in underground lairs during the daytime and then, like, go rampant during the during the nighttime, like zombies sort of got people. Yeah. Um, with Zombies with, are cool. Yeah. I mean, what is the time frame for World War Z? Do we know? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Oh, just wondering. Uh, I, I again, I presume that's like tomorrow for for them. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Then you also have the you have the great movie of twenty twelve. Remember, if there was a movie called twenty twelve. Well, yeah, because the Mayans predicted the the universe would end in twenty twelve. They didn't the, really. It's just when their calendar ended because yeah, they ran just, out of space. Either A they ran out of space or were like, it's so far in the future, we're not gonna future proof ourselves. Yeah. You know? And yet everyone was like So essentially the notion there in I Am Legend is that um in by two thousand eight they're noticing these weird solar flares that are occurring on the sun. Uh-huh. And that the solar flares are going to interact with our tectonic plates and our oceans or at least the moon and wildly change the gravitational constant of the yeah. earth to change its orientation and cause all these natural disasters at the end of the day. Yeah. So that what ends up happening is that the earth governments basically decide to pool money together by charging individual people one 
billion pounds is the is the currency that they're using here yeah. to board these ARC ships so they can save 100,000 people at the end of the day. So they're going to save the wealthiest, not the smartest, not the not the the best equipped, but the wealthiest. I would dare say that some of the smartest people are those wealthiest people. Okay, Bill Gates and Melinda, you know, are, are getting on, so, but 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 not all, and, and and hopefully Warren Buffett, but Michael Jordan will make it on there. Uh, Kobe Bryant would have made it on there back in twenty twelve. I know, probably not the right, the best one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just yeah. You can buy your way on. Okay, so okay. the next one I have uh, that we found was the Postman. Yeah. So the Postman again. Apparently, the notion of this one here is that some sort of unspecific apocalyptic event in 1997 basically uh-huh. uh, ruined the wor- ruined the world, the world. and yeah. kind of pushed everybody back into like. No technological updates and like everything is ruined. And Waterworld the, does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very much Waterworld too. And yeah. another one I didn't add in because it's an unspecified time frame at all. But yeah. you could add Waterworld into this yeah. as well. Same sort of same same premise. Premise, yeah. Um, so you've got um, and so again, Kevin Costner basically um, picks up a postman outfit and pretends to be a postman, which ends up starting an entire movement of people that end up actually doing the work of being postman, delivering mail, and delivering what was what would have been... Um, it's kind of like you know, the old Pony Express. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, very much like the Pony Express, but also um, this notion of the United States government rebuilding. Yeah. Um, which I found to be, um, you know, a little sad that, that that wouldn't have been something the U.S. government was doing. It's just this one guy just... Again, he hid in a what would have been an old postal carrier truck. Yeah. Found the uniform, put it on because he because he wanted to escape other people, and then just pretended to do the job, and then actually started doing the job, and actually, um, you know, created an entire movement based out of that. So yeah. Um, actually, it makes me want to go back and rewatch it now because again, I I watched it when I was in college, and I didn't care for it at all. But now I imagine I'm. It was too, to, to me. It was too derivative of Waterworld. <laughs> And nobody really liked Waterworld at the end of the day either. Yeah, right? he had well Cosner after the the success of Dances with Wolves, went back and and did did a bunch of movies where the hero theme was was his ability to start a movement. It's, um, I believe the correct way to phrase it was a white man savior. Yeah, it was, the, it's, it's a trope. It's a very much a trope. It's my favorite trope in um, the Last Samurai. Yeah, you know. But I like every I like those things that are samurai-ish. So yeah. Let's see. Uh, then we've got Back to the Future Part Two, which is telling it was twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen is when they go back to and then it describes uh, flying cars. Um, I want flying cars. I feel robbed. When was that filmed? Uh, Nineteen eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, or between like nineteen eighty and nineteen eighty five. Okay. So. Yeah, so they, so they foresaw flying cars. The Jetsons, again, foresaw in the 60s flying cars. They also foresaw 70-inch televisions. Okay, that's come flat, to pass. Flat screen, flat screen 70-inch televisions. That, that came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they foresaw holograms. They also foresaw the 19th iteration of the Jaws movie. 
Jaws was a great movie. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that in the theater. One of my favorite bits of it here was the root. Was the uh, again keep in mind that Marty McFly goes into a retro futuristic cafe, which again I we've seen some of those you know in the '90s as well, yeah. which I think are very yeah. kind of yeah. kitschy. Um, the well, Disneyland is is mm-hmm. you know t- Tomorrowland. Yes, and I and I wish they I wish they leaned heavier into it. Yeah. I really yeah. do because I think I mean, what part of the charm of Tomorrowland back in the day mm-hmm. was was that that it had this sort of um, retro futuristic sort of aesthetic yeah. to it. Yeah, I wish they went back to that. Yeah, you you see it here and there, but you know I really do wish they had a lot more of it. Yeah, um, but I think one of my you know they hoverboards, which yep. again predates what we now would consider um, you know actual like. You know, bullet trains in a lot of cases. Just keep in mind the way bullet trains work is they're not actually, you know, they're kind of hovering above the track yeah. and being pushed forward by magnets. We've ridden on one. Mm-hmm. They're pretty cool. Very fast. Yeah. And smooth. Oh, so smooth. Yeah. I can't wait till we get them here in the United States yeah. eventually. Yeah, eventually. You keep be- killing the one that's supposed to come from LA to here. In part because of the airline industry. Mm hmm. Oh no, I don't blame the airline industry. If, I, if it, now, mind you, if I were the airline industry, you know, before the pandemic, I would have started investing money in this too. Like, I mean, like, if, yeah. imagine if you had like the Southwest, uh, you know, train, yeah, you know, or the the Southwest uh, speed rail, yeah, you know, that, that would have been, you know, even if you spent a little bit of money on that, you could get in on that to be the people that at least get sell the tickets for it. Yeah, you know, so a little disappointing that. Also, like the idea that you could get a. Uh, Pizza Hut pizza, which was about the size of the lid of your coffee cup, mm-hmm. put it in a hydrator and get a full like you know, tw- you know, sixteen inch pizza out of that. It's pretty pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, lots of automation is what they also foresaw as well, yeah. which is not too far off, I think. Well, they're projecting thirty years into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they weren't again not horribly far off. Um, you have one of my personal favorites, Neon Genesis Evangelion, mm-hmm. which said that in. 2020, a massive a meteor would crash into Antarctica, basically forcing Melted. the sea, sea yeah. forcing the sea rise sea level to rise, um, and then by 2015 we would have what we call the Geodome, which is or Tokyo Three, which would basically be this giant domed city underground geo geo front underneath the ground that had these massive 20 foot 20 story tall giant robots that fight alien creatures you know which comes into a later effect in another movie here as well uh, Rollerball <laughs> yeah in 2018 a future corporation decides that they're going to take over the girl government and create a new sport called Rollerball which is now everyone has to watch because everyone loves Rollerball yes it's the American pastime um, well Hunger Games become a pastime okay oh, absolutely we, we we don't we don't see foresee wonderful. I mean, we're back to gladiators. I'm okay with gladiators. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, as long as I'm not part of those gladiators. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the key there. Yeah. Um, then you have obviously the one that everyone loves the most, Blade Runner. Yeah. The future in which interstellar travel is commonplace, um, and in order to help terraform these other planets and run these other planets, you have synthetic uh humans or androids that are used for the labor mm-hmm. they come back and they're hunted because they don't act right 
It's basically based off of the Isaac Asimov. Well, they start having some of their own independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this notion here that uh, do robots dream of electric sheep, which is the book of um, Isaac Asimov. Same guy who came up with the three laws of robotics at the end of yeah. the day. So, very groundbreaking. Um, Running Man. In 2017, the United States has become a totalitarian police state following a worldwide economic collapse, and the government pacifies the populace through The Running Man, a broadcast game show where criminals fight for their lives as runners fleeing from armed mercenaries named Stalkers in order to gain a state pardon. Again? There's been other movies based off that entire premise, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's a fairly popular thing at the end of the day oddly enough you get into superman and and the the uh the guys who are trapped in sort of those planes that get that get somehow released and mm-hmm. cause havoc phantom on zones yeah that's an interesting notion of the phantom zone yeah um you have another favorite of mine which is akira so it's an anime um now in the original japanese version the events take place the Initial event in, takes place in 1982, although in the English we, we changed it to 1992, um, was that there was a bomb that goes off in Tokyo, which starts World War III. Mm-hmm. A nuclear bomb, by the way. Yeah. And that by 2019, or 2030 in the English version of it, that they've rebuilt Neo, Tokyo as Neo-Tokyo Neo, Neo on a artificial island in the Tokyo Bay, essentially. Super futuristic, but people still like to go over to new to, to the old Tokyo remains uh-huh. and basically start gang war and violence over there. What's interesting to me is is um, during the Cold War, you had lots of expectation that you would have some some sort of nuclear catastrophe. Mm-hmm. I think in the in the movies that are post uh, 1989, 1990, mm-hmm. um, or the, or the books or the comics, you see less of the nuclear war element. I think you see, yeah. You, you, I think when the you, Berlin Wall comes down in 89, that changes our outlook on... Nuclear weapons the, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the, the Cold War. Yeah, yeah, and we start moving away from that. I think we start moving more toward pandemics and And environmental, yeah. yeah, environmental uh, catastrophes. It's interesting. So then you've got Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. By 2013, they say that kaiju monsters start appearing out of the ocean... And then by 2020, we've created these giant U- robots called Jaegers that beat up the kaiju. Ro- the kaiju. Uh, and the kaiju are kind of like Godzilla. They're all Godzillas, yeah. Yeah. And the robots are just basically Evangelians for the most part. You know, it, it was literally when I was watching the movie, and I was like, oh man, this is just like Evangelion. Like, there's a lot of stuff pairing par- parallels to that. Um, Gil- Vinicio del Toro, or not del Toro, Gil- I think that's the guy. I can't remember. I can't never yeah. pronounce his name. He did Hellboy yeah. and a bunch of other these cool kind of gothic sort of fantasy yeah. stuff here. Um, he basically said this was about as close as we could get to Evangelion. Yeah. You know, without actually making Evangelion in yeah. live action. We really wanted to, but this was about as close as we could get to it. Yeah. Um, the next one we have is Edge of Tomorrow. So Edge of Tomorrow presumes that in 2015 an asteroid falls on Germany with a bunch of aliens on it. And that by 2020, they've taken over all of Europe and are slowly taking over the rest of the world here. And that a massive military force is going to stop them. Except the military force is going to stop them with these new powered exosuits that we've found. 
that we've created. That we found? That we created, excuse me. Okay. And these executes basically just are kind of like what modern... Iron Man. Kind of, yeah, but these exosuits are very bare bones for the military. Because, again, they're sending out, like, hundreds and hundreds of waves of, of humans to do this. Thousands of people. Uh, they're basically just, like... And, and, again, they are very practical for what would be modern day now. Again, they're basically... Star Wars? Not even Star Wars, really. Not even close to Star Wars. Again, these are basically just in Edge of Tomorrow. They're basically just kind of, like bars attached to your limbs that give you the ability to lift more and move move a little bit more even it might even give you a little bit more protection but they're not like full-on suits of armor or anything or okay. anything like that they're basically just when i say exoskeletons i literally mean skeletons okay so um and the cool thing about this one here is that this is the uh, action version of groundhog's day that could be cool. So, so what ends up happening? So, in this movie here, what ends up happening is that the aliens have a secret um, weapon. At the end of the day, is that they have certain aliens, which when they die, they go back in time with their memories and wake up at a certain X, Y, and Z point, mm-hmm. and then can communicate with the rest of the aliens and say, "Oh, this is what happened here at this point. So, don't do that." So they can change their behavior. Mm-hmm. So Tom Cruise somehow. So they're educating. They're, edu- they're educating themselves based off of the events. So what ends up happening with Tom Cruise is he goes full... Um, um, oh, why can't I think of his name here now? The actor from Groundhog's Day. But he goes full oh, Bill Murray really, and eventually, yeah. and eventually figures out, like, oh, if I stop here for four and a half seconds, then go over here three and a half seconds later, then go over there in a half second, I won't get shot. Oh, well, they, okay, so that's a little bit like Galaxy Quest at the end. Yes, very, yeah, but again, it plays. So he keeps waking up at the exact same point every single day with going back in time all the time, and continually, you know, keeps getting, you know, keeps going and getting either a stronger or b more experience. Yes, each time he plays the game, he moves further along because he has another bit of knowledge. Yes, in some cases he's uh-huh. again. In some cases he plays out the entire day to to its extinction. Because, again, he doesn't go back in time until he dies. Yeah. So if he lives the entire way through the day, and then when he dies, he just goes right back to the very beginning. So it's like yeah. a video game. Yeah. Um, so, like, sometimes, you know, he spends, like, you know, he says, at certain points here, he says, like, he spent, like, two years literally training how to fight and convincing you that I have this ability at the end of the day. Yeah. And, like, I've gone whole days you know i've gone well like, bill, bill murray learns the language and learns how to play the piano mm-hmm. and learns every little secret about yeah. everybody there yeah um learns how to ice sculpt you know yeah. like he does something very similar to that in the midst of he the next day that he's supposed to go out and you know into what is basically b-day essentially yeah um so he's got slightly less options for expanding himself um again really really great movie uh, Johnny Mnemonic um, explores a world in which the internet is everywhere, but um, traveling with certain technology, certain knowledge on the internet is not very safe to transfer it around. So you basically upload the data into people who have um, certain key symbols that they need to see in order to be able to access the memories and knowledge to be able to give it to their cur- to the next person. So uh, couriers for knowledge yeah. or for or information at the end of the day. Uh, Soylent Green. Ooh. So the green takes place in 2022 with the effects of overpopulation, 
pollution and climate catastrophe basically makes world food shortages a thing. Okay, and this is this is from the seventies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just they, they it, really it is, did think fifty years in the future we were going to be yeah. out of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we were told we, at the time we were seeing famine in 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 Africa, and beginning to become aware of um, environmental change, and um, and that really was we really did think that ecological collapse was was imminent. So the, now we start a point in which, um, and again, you still love the the ending bit of the entire movie is still the, probably the best part. I won't spoil yeah. it, even though I'm yeah. pretty sure it's been spoiled a billion times. Yeah. So well, people, people haven't seen it should see it. Mm-hmm. So now we get into the point of potential future stuff, because this all happens yeah. before. Now again, keep in mind, if you're watching this from the very far flung future, we're recording this in April of 2021. So up to this point, we have gone through movies and television shows and and uh, events that w- should have should otherwise happened by now, according to the movies. Yes. Yeah. The stuff going forward here is stuff that could potentially happen still. Okay. So, uh, you have Repo Men. Mm-hmm. Now, Repo Men presumes that in by 2025 you have advancements in prosthetics that create bio organs. Yep. And so basically replace other internal organs in their body, so liver, hung, lungs, hearts. Kidneys, and again, by by Centennial Man foresees that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in this world here, the products are being the all these bioengineered uh, uh, organs here are created by a company called the Union, which will send out repo men if you don't pay for you, you don't pay or are unwilling to pay for your prosthetics. So you got your prosthetic strategic and you're on an installment plan, and you miss a payment, they're going to take it back. They're going to they're going to they're going not only are they going to take it back. They're gonna take it back, to, back back from you while you're still asleep in yeah. your own bed, bed yeah. essentially killing you. Yeah. You know, because again, they've just got to physically take it out of the body. Yeah. Um, next one here as well is gonna be makes makes somebody stealing your kidney look like. Oof. Um, you have children of men. Mm-hmm. So in children of men, um, by 2009, the human race is sterile. Um, and as a result of being uh, sterile, that's led to various wars, global depression, as we're kind of on the edge of basically being extinct mm-hmm. until 2027, in which um, a woman finally gives birth to another human. And this first time somebody's giving birth to somebody in 18 years. So, wow. Yeah. So there's a, there's an interesting theory there on that one. And we're becoming sterile because we've we've contaminated our environment so much. Precisely. Yeah. Um, my other next one here I have is Hotel Artemis, which is a definitely a great, great little movie if you want to watch it. It's it's really funny, really good. Um, it basically predicts a future in which um, water privatization in Los Angeles has basically caused riots to start breaking out throughout the city. So a pair of ro- so a team of robbers basically decides that during this massive series of riots to break into a bank. Um, they get injured along the way, and so they basically get into what is Hotel Ar- Artemis, which is basically a members-only um, hotel slash hospital for people who get who are criminals. Everyone has their own code name, um, and inside there, there are uh, robots that do surgery on you and three P- 3D printed organs. Ooh, 3D printed transplant organs. Yes. Um, you have one of my favorite futures here, which is in 2029. You have Ghost in the Shell. So we've talked about this one before. I yeah. think this is uh, this is the idea of 
cyberization of people, um, basically the people's brains being cyberized to a certain extent that allows you to um, interface with other electronics, so other robots, computers, the internet, you know, all sorts of stuff here. You have uh, iRobot. Yeah. So another Will Smith vehicle here. You had um, humanity by 2035 has developed uh, humanoid robots that for the last 10 years that have done all sorts of various jobs for us. Yep. Not unlike Mega Man, I want to presume. And then the most recent version of Advanced AI has basically decided that, oh, humans are not very good at keeping themselves alive because they keep trying to kill themselves. Why don't we just make sure humans stay alive by... you know? And this is kind of a corruption of the uh, three laws of robotics at the end of the yeah. day. And the first one being is that a robot can't do um, harm to a human being, you know, but they kind of stretch it to say, like, well, we can't do harm to humanity if we keep it alive. Yeah. You know, that kind of sense here. Um, you have one of my my favorite movies of all time, The Martian. I love Matt Damon in The Martian. I really do. It is. It is such an. Um... I don't care. I don't care if I'm midway through this year. If I catch this on TV, I am watching it till the end. It's yeah. just like Shawshank Redemption. It doesn't matter where you catch it at. It's still worth watching. Watching. That, uh, excellent, excellent movie, by the mm-hmm. way. Oh, yeah, very much. Yeah. Um, and The Martian presumes that we've been doing mad missions um, to Mars with the intention of colonizing it within a couple of years. Uh, and that we're currently on our third wave of it here. So this kind of also highlights um, that we have oxygenators and water and generators. And growing potatoes and... From from soil that's yeah. from Mars theoretically, yeah. Um, so that would you know now mind you it's you know fertilized with poop at the end of the day, which is yeah. but it still means that you could theoretically colonize Mars, assuming the atmosphere was a little less uh, hospitable. It would seem, yeah. Um, and not so much as that, like we we're able to travel to and from Mars within the span of like what felt what seems like about like nine months or something. Yeah. So that's pretty cool in and of itself, too. Yep. Yeah. Um, next one we have on here is Moon, which I highly recommend people watch. I've never heard of this. So it's Sam Worthing, uh, or not Sam Worthing, it's, um, I can't remember his name. It's Sam something. Um, basically, he's like an artsy kind of guy. It's, he's an artsy sort of actor. It's the same. Uh-huh. One's name is Sam Worthing, but I, don't, but I don't think that really is. It's. Do you remember Iron Man 2? Yeah, he's the he's the bad guy from Iron Man too. Oh, okay. The rich the rich kind of snotty guy. Yeah. Um, and so essentially, apparently, on the moon they are mining a mineral from the moon here, which is Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, that's his name. Sam Worthing is a different actor. Kevin Spacey. Yes, with Kevin Spacey as a computer voice. Yeah. So uh, basically, in Moon, the idea is that they're mining a mineral from the moon that's being used on Earth in uh, semiconductors here. And that uh, Sam Rockwell has a three-year service term um, on the moon to be able to do so for his work, essentially. He um, manages all these different rovers and stuff that's happening there on the moon. And that after three years, he basically gets into a pod and that'll send him back home to get, you know, to get picked up and go back home so he can put him in stasis. Really, he's a clone. Oh, and, so it does, I, and he doesn't know he's a clone. He, no, he doesn't initially realize he's a clone. It's just that every single time he wakes up, he wakes up in the med bay, and he's like, oh, well, I'm just in the med bay, whatever. 
Um, but is that he's, he died and he's coming back each time? Yes. That's why he's in the Met Bay. Okay. So, well, no, not even so much that is that he's on a three-year term and he thinks that every single time every clone is re, re every time a clone is animated, he's basically that clone is, I'm just starting my three-year term here. So the, oh. so the entire thing gets kind of cleaned up and um, he gets video messages that are um, from his family and his wife and his daughter that just got born every so often, but because of the, it, these are, but they're recorded conversations, not actual live conversations at all. Okay. Um, but he does get uh, feeds from, because of the way the antennas are down apparently. So he gets recordings sent to him also from corporate as well that says, oh, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. Z, make sure you give us a progress report. He yeah. just doesn't realize he's a clone that every single time he goes into the pod to be sent back home to Earth that he's just getting toasted. Because the, the clones apparently have a three-year lifespan. Yeah. So he just starts over. Yes. So, so he's a, he's a, on his own like a little three-year groundhog day. Yeah. Okay. He just can't remember what happened, though. Yeah. Interesting premise. Um. I want to include Meet the Robinsons because it's got an entire date. This is a Disney 3D movie at the end of the day, but it's it's like the Jetsons at the end of the day. Like it's really hard to pinpoint what time period it's. Oh no no, you can tell what time it, it literally yeah. says twenty thirty seven on it. Okay. Um, it's just that the future is so futuristic at that point that it's hard to really describe. It's okay. almost Star Star it's Wars. It's a different level. world. Yeah, it's almost Star Wars level f- future at that point. Even okay. I want to say. Um, the other fun one I like here is Ready Player One. So Ready Ready Player One presumes that by 2045 the world is plagued by energy crisis and global warming, um, an economic collapse, and widespread widespread social problems here. And that the only real you know escape or any sort of fun you can have is in a place called the Oasis, uh, which is kind of like a virtual MMO. Okay, I I thought it was kind of like a holodeck. Yeah, very similar to a holodeck. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you put on gla- goggles and glasses, and you you move around in this virtual space to do that. Yeah, um, the VR world. What I found interesting is that apparently, according <clears throat> to the way it was originally written, is that this online world as the has the most secure economic system by comparison to the rest of the world at that point. So you can put your money in there and actually have it actually like be safe within a certain yeah. extent. So I found that to be interesting. Um, the next one you have is Event Horizon 2047. Presumes interstellar travel is normalized, but uh, the ship known as the Event Horizon, mm-hmm. which is technically a science term at the end of the day, but it makes sense in this case, um, that they, this particular engine for the ship is creating um, time-space rifts that it's traveling through in order mm-hmm. to do different stuff. And as it came back from one of those rifts here with all of its crew missing... It brought something else along with it that shouldn't be here. A hitchhiker. A hitchhiker that's uh, corrupted the ship. Yeah. Um, then you got another fun one here, Minority Report. Presumes by 1954, precognition humans exist that they can predict when murders are going to happen. And that you're able to slide your fingers through the air and view different stuff on a computer screen that's see-through. Yeah. Which I don't understand at the end of the day. I always find that to be very odd. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. It's all, it, I, I have to laugh when I see things like CSI that show, you know, the computer screens that, that are sort of clear and transparent and um, all these all these uh, 
computer graphics that, that don't exist. That don't, well, again, that just don't look like computer stuff. Yeah. You know, I and, th- and that's in modern stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's in stuff you see now. Yeah, that, that it's it's part of the reason why I like um, what's the one show you that popularly likes Criminal Minds. Yeah, yeah, where at least when you look at Garcia's computer on there, it looks like, like something that from that would be from like from, a database or from something. From our time, yeah, from our time frame yeah. and, and you know and you, realistic. Yeah, you you would seem a little bit more realistic, and the databases are like. Yeah, that looks like a database kind of screen. A very old database screen in some cases, but the, yeah. it looks like a database screen at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so again, Minority Report, a lot of cool little gadgets in there as well. Love the... Um, again, the from that one there, they basically have self-driving cars, mm-hmm. which are these pods that kind of go up and down, row, up and down vertically and horizontally and all this stuff. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, let's see. You've got interesting. By the way, I'm I am so disappointed that so many things saw the self-driving car and that hasn't happened yet. I am waiting for the self-driving car. I think the only problem with the self-driving Waymo, Waymo. I see Waymo. I know out in the neighborhoods. Yeah, again, I we're think in the, Silicon Valley. I think the problem with the self-driving cars and the reason why it's not more ubiquitous right now is because. A, people like to drive themselves, and B, the only way self-driving cars really work at the end of the day is that there's no humans on the road. There's no human drivers at the end of the day. If there's no human drivers at the end of the day, the robots... Because, have, because it can predict. Well, you can't predict what other humans are going to do. Because, you know, again, you've seen human beings which are like, oh, that's my exit. Yeah. You know, like, ran, you know, make, you know, they don't make smart decisions as far as gas consumption. You know, I've seen people that are like, Hey, I'm going 70 miles an hour on the right-hand side of the, you know, on the right side of the road, and I'm moving slower than the rest of the speed of traffic, but I'm on the far right-hand side, so I'm not in anybody's way. Yeah. And people are just like veering to get around me as fast as possible. Oh, went like, on I-5, which is an interstate that goes from uh, from the actually from the Mexican border up to the Canadian border, mm-hmm. and um, and there are long stretch long stretches of it, and people zooming in and out. Well, my gosh, I you know there's a truck coming up. I can't go any faster. Nope. Then I'm going. Yeah. And you zooming around me ain't gonna change that. Nope. Yeah. And again, so I think the problem with self-driving cars, for the most part, is not necessarily the technology. The technology is getting there. The problem right now is that, um, or at least the way I see it here is that you need to not have humans on the road because robots can't predict for humans. And it's really hard to do that in general here. Because, again, so, like, in our Amazon fulfillment centers that have the robots in them, um, humans have to wear have to wear badges on them to be recognized by the system to know that they are a human. Right. And as a right. result, then the robots will move out of your way or won't come, won't hit you at all. Yeah, won't come near you. Yeah, so, so you, and what they have is, a, is, is the same thing you have, like, a key card. It's, it's a metal... It's a it's a B- sensor. basically an RFID tag that yeah. kind of just lets you know where they where you physically are at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so it make sure that robots you know who are also there in the field don't you know recognize where you are and like okay we are going to dodge this person. But even that human still has to stay in a particular glide path because those robots, as much as you know, and if you move in the wrong way for one of those robots who's moving right past you, they're still just buzzing right past you. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, though, is we're getting closer to self-driving cars, in part because I know the trucking industry is very concerned about it. Um, because, because it's going to take away jobs from it's truckers. Take away, yeah, jobs from truckers. And, and um, you know, I, I can tell you that, that in, in other states, they allow 
you know, three on three three trailer trucks. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you have a three trailer truck in the hands of a human being scares me. I'd much rather have that be in the hand of a computer, who can uh, who can predict how it's going to sway and mm-hmm. swing. Um, but uh, you know the the uh, self driving truck is being tested, is on the road, mm-hmm. has been on the highway with drivers, um, self driving cars as well are on the road right now. We, we see them test testing. Again, you know, Waymo um, has a an, uh, facility in, in Palo Alto, um, right on the border of Palo, Palo Alto and Mountain View. And we, we see self-driving cars out there. Mm-hmm. Um, our cars now, my car has sensors. It rings all the time um, for all sorts of things. I, there's cars that will parallel park for you. Again, yeah. there's some Teslas that will that will <clears throat> actually do the driving for you as well. Yeah, so it's it's out there. It's close. We're getting very close. Again, I think part of the issue is the human portion of it. The second real big issue is the um, access to Wi-Fi. You go out to some of of those rural portions of the world here where, you know, Wi-Fi is, you know, not as relevant or not as available out there at all. Yeah. Is part of, you know, I think could be part of the problem here because, again, like... Again, like if you're in the middle of the Midwest where there's not a lot of internet around you, you can still reach out to stuff there, but it's a lot more expensive and a lot more difficult to do it. So you got to communicate based off of satellites then at that point. But but I've I've been in rural, really really rural areas in in Africa, and there are people on cell phones. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that's becoming less of an issue, but I think in most cases of robots making a lot more smarter decisions, you would want a more heavily Wi-Fi area to be able to no, access you're right. that a you're little, right. with more towers. I, mean, I, I still lose lose uh, cell phone on, on Pacheco Pass and mm-hmm. I'll be on conversations with people who lose cell phone because of where they are. Yeah, so it's it it's coming. It's coming. Again, I think, again, the real barriers I think for, that'll be for this is going to be that there will be a lot of people I, I, again, I, do you remember when people transitioned from manual to automatic cars? I do because my first couple of cars were manual yes and i and, and again and you paid more for an automatic yeah and again in my case you know i preferred the, a manual because the I minivan felt, was the, uh, i had a minivan that was a manual yes i remember, remember the that. minivan yeah. i drove that minivan for a Aerostar. while star yeah yes that long ass you know shifting stick there yeah i remember that distinctively because i drove you that had car jeep for, you, had, you had jeeps that were i had jeeps that did that too yeah um and again even my the car before my prius was a manual oh. and, I, and i preferred a manual as well because yeah. i felt i had more control over it i'll try to find one now yeah, manuals are almost impossible to find, and you don't. There's not a lot of people. By manual, we mean something with a stick shift. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, but uh, like try to find a manual car now, and they're 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 very a difficult to find here, and then b you know try to find a person who knows how to drive a manual. Yeah, you know they're becoming far and far less common here. Oh, your siblings couldn't. No, and and I think what'll happen here in the future will be that um, will be somewhat similar. To this there will be people who. Get to the point where they, you know, well, I don't know how to drive. I've had self-driving cars for me. Yeah. But I think what you'll also have is you'll have a younger generation that'll be, you know, not my niece's age, but people who were born today that'll have uh-huh. self-driving cars. They'll just be like, well, why would I? Why would I drive a car? I have there are yeah. self-driving cars. I will just take the self-driving cars, and it'll be our generation, or at least mine, that will phase out of actually driving the cars. And, and owning a car. And, and owning cars even, too. Because, again, I do think that self-driving cars will, you know, won't necessitate the need for actually owning them anymore. 
there are studies actually urban land studies that talk about um, how much land we have wasted paved and mm -hmm. wasted um, with parking lots because what? if you think if you think of it there there I, I believe the number is there are nine parking spaces par for e every car that's on the road mm -hmm. um, and if you think about it and uh, schools have parking lots that are unoccupied before after and on the weekend malls have parking lots that are unoccupied all night um, you know you think about the number of parking spaces that are out there that that land is paved over and and not contributing to the aquifer when it rains or, or any of those things that's an issue mm -hmm. no again it, it, it'll be nice to a point in which we do have self-driving cars that we can reclaim a lot of that land at the end of the yeah. day um, it'll be we, we reclaim roads because a self-driving car needs needs almost half of the lane space mm -hmm. that um, a human driving a car needs. Well, 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 not even so much that. It's actually just going to make us faster individuals at the end of the day. Yeah. Because, again, we'll be able to go at, like, 80, 90 miles an hour because of the way the robots work. You know, we'll be able to have uh, drag resistance. We'll be more fuel efficient. Yeah. But at the same time here, we won't need traffic lights. Yep. And because we won't need traffic lights... You know, and cars will be able to move around and zip around as necessary. You know, we'll be a lot more efficient in driving at the end of the day. So we'll just be better. Yeah. So super excited about that. Uh, Interstellar predicts a future of nineteen of twenty sixty three in which humanity um, is basically devastated by dust bowls. Yeah. And so uh, food supply is in a very short supply. New technology hasn't come out because everyone's so focused on just surviving. Yep. Um, so much to the point that they are now telling people that people, they are now telling children that, that people that went to space died. So that's why we don't send people to space at all. Yeah. And the NASA program is basically an underground sort of thing. And the intention that they send um, this last crew in this last space spaceship to space is the intention of saying that, like, you guys can go find us a new home. Home, yeah. Find us some place to move to. Yeah. And um, so there, so I like the beginning of Interstellar. I hate the ending of Interstellar, but that's just me. It gets very contrived. Yes. Um, Oblivion. Not not familiar with Oblivion. Another Tom Cruise vehicle. Uh-huh. Um, in 2077, humanity was invaded 60 years ago, so 2017, yeah. by aliens. Now... Earthlings, we used nuclear warheads to defeat the aliens, but we've also kind of ruined the planet. Planet by point. doing so, yeah. And so, what's been decided here is that uh, we're actually going to that all these humans are actually moved out and in, into space here at this point, and have now started colonizing other parts of space. Um, and that these remaining humans that are there on Earth are actually working on these fuel generators, which are sucking up part of the ocean's uh, water and reconstituting it as fuel to send up to space to, to the other humans so they can go travel to other places. Um, never mind the fact that actually everybody's again is clones. So the aliens actually won at the end of the day, but they've tricked the humans that are still there, um, then created clones of them to actually manage the stuff here, and the clones believe that they're helping humanity, but they're actually helping the aliens. A little like the Matrix that way. A little Matrixy, yeah, which does come up here later on. Uh, total Recall. Yeah. 
2084 imagines a colonized Mars in which human being, human beings have the ability to take vacations now via implanted memories of having been on either adventures or vacations um, from a program called Recall or R E K A L L. Yeah. Uh, you have the Jetsons. Sometime in the 21st century, uh, again, kind of like Meet the Robinsons, a little bit, a little too future, fi- little undefined. The uh, pedestrian walk. Very retro future. Very retro future. Again, uh, the uh, walkways that you walk across, that you stand on to walk. Yeah. We have those in airports. Movers. You have Movers. to have them. Have to have them in some airports. Yeah. The airports are too big. Yeah. Um, What's interesting about the Jetsons because it's it's filmed during the '60s and it was actually a primetime TV show. Yeah. TV show, um, and it's it's animated. Um, interesting thing about the Jetsons is that as much as it foresaw the future, it did not foresee and it foresaw Rosie, the house the housemaid robot. It did not foresee a different role for women. The gender roles are very um, 60s. Very stereotypical even, too. Yeah. So it's basically yeah. as if the 60s except the future. Yep. Um, here's the one that you you wanted to talk about the most, which was AI. Yeah. Um, by 2021, or 2101, advanced robotics have uh, created AI robots, that androids that, you know, seem to have all the same human emotions that you can program into them. And and look look and look and act just like humans, humans, to the point of being almost unrecognizable at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, how about Wally? Actually, Wally to me seems really plausible. So by twenty twenty by twenty one oh five, Earth is devastated by overpopulation, and consumption, and too much trash. Yeah. Um, and we're forced to live in so we're forced to live on cruise vessels in space while. Robots on Earth are actually cleaning up the place. Yeah. Um, never mind the fact that the company known as By In Large, which I think is still such a great name, name yeah, um, basically is terminated the program because Earth is too over. It's too, too much. Too, too can, much, they and can't they can't accomplish clean. it. No. Yeah. Um, even though all the robots were still in actually pretty good working order when they stopped it. Yeah. To the point like Wally can replace parts by just going visiting other guys. Yeah. Oh, I need new treads. Oh, he he's got treads. Okay, I'll take his, his treads. Um, and then by 2805, 600 years later, they've discovered life on... Well, the real reason they decided that it's too much trash is that they've figured out that Earth can't sustain anymore, um, can't grow anything anymore. Yeah. So if you can't grow anything at all, like it's better no to not, not go yeah. back. You know? Yeah. Um, how about Alien? Yeah. 2122, space transportation is typical, interstellar travel. And the Nostromo is returning back from space back to earth and when it finds a distress call and has a very unsatisfactory ending for some for a majority <laughs> of its crew um also synthetic androids as well yeah um uh, very very big there um how about the black hole yeah this was a disney movie here which i have not actually seen to this day i've never seen the black hole although I'm, i've seen clips of it i'm here. aware of it yeah um so basically in the future here intertidal space travel is commonplace and there's a ship that's hanging out right by a black hole. Now, black holes are these vortexes of gravity that basically suck you in. And, and we verified them. They're real. Yeah. Nobody knows what happens when you get near a black hole, theor- theoretically. What happens it's thought you- to have its own gravity field. Mm-hmm. That sucks you into it. It's a vortex. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they have various types of robots on there as well, and advanced AI. Vincent is a big one. 
a little bit of a yawn because we yawn occasionally. Yeah. Um, how about Judge Dredd? Ooh, ooh. By 2039, humanity has been forced to live in mega cities because of the world. Because they've basically destroyed the rest of the world. It's a barren wasteland. And in these new cities, with all the crime and stuff that's going on with them, they've replaced the old police state with a new police state known as the Judges, which yeah. are basically judge, jury, and executioner all at the same time. Fine. Then we get to the Matrix. Yeah. So the big thing with the Matrix here is that by the uh, late 20th century, 2050s is what they say, is yeah. they've, we've built robots that can do our work for us, so constructing buildings, all this other stuff, we've built them in our own image. And um, the robots have gained sentience, though. Yeah. And as a result of gaining sentience, they've asked for us not to try to kill them, Yeah. which is a little bit of a tinge on current events here as well. Um, and they revolt, and the way the humans decide that they are going to stop the robots, because they're all powered by solar energy, is that they blot out the sun with dark clouds. And as a result, the um, uh, robots here decide, well, you know what? Now that we've taken over humanity, we're going to put you all in pods. And we're going to use you guys as battery sources now. Yeah. Um, so you're, we got humans who are harvested like crops. They're all, everybody's in a tube. Not they, fun. They, they, they live an imaginary life. Mm-hmm. That's not real. Although based yeah. off of, you know, like early 20th century. I still wanted one of those phones that kind of like, you know, Ksh. Yeah. But then I looked at it, and now I look at it now, I was like, I was such a child. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about The Fifth Element? I, that was actually on TV the other day. In repeats, it. typically, yeah. yeah. Um, by 2263, the future's got interstellar travel. We've met all sorts of different aliens. We've got flying cars. I think it's the probably the more likely version of the future, at a certain point because I think yeah. it's a lot more realistic there's a lot of homages homages to like lots of garbage and trash everywhere on earth and earth is not a pretty place no it's not um, over very large over militaristic sort of world out there um, very interesting in that particular respect um, how about we go back in time a little bit we go to a, a movie called and I don't know Zardoz Zardoz so and I had to take this a little bit for Wikipedia, so I apologize yeah. here. So by 2293, following a nanite plague that's left most of the world uninhabitable, the human population is divided into immortal eternals and mortal brutals. Yeah. The brutals live in an irradiated wasteland, growing food for the eternals, who live apart in the vortex, leading a luxurious but aimless existence on the grounds of country estates. A life with no purpose. The connection between the two groups is through a brutal exterminators who kill and terrorize other brutals at the orders of a huge flying stone head known as called Zardoz, which supplies them with weapons in exchange for food they collect. Yep. It's an interesting version. How about Logan's Run? That's an oldie but goodie. So by 2274... The remaining humanization lives in geodesic domes that are kind of like utopias. Yep. Um, everything is given to them. They live a very, I guess, a hedonistic uh, lifestyle. Hedonistic, yeah. Uh, but to prevent overpopulation, they go through a process known as careless or renewing. Yeah. And at the age of 30, which is actually just killing them. Yep. So. Yeah. So you, so you, live, you live to what would have been childbearing 
age mm-hmm. at that at that point. And then you're just off. Poof. Yeah. Um, and so what you have here um, is some residents who don't accept their future and become runners. And there's a team known as Sandmen, which are uh, outfitted in all black uniforms, which are sent to track down these people um, who are runners and yeah. stop them from living. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Um, another I mean, 30 one. 30's so young. Very true. Uh, how about Starship Troopers? <laughs> I remember taking you and a group of friends for your birthday to Starship Troopers, not realizing, you, know, realizing you were 13, what? 14, uh, not realizing there was nudity in it and, and afraid that other parents would find out. Yeah, but we weren't going to talk. Well, thankfully you didn't. Nobody, I didn't get in no. trouble. But <laughs> I, I, I would have, uh, had I known... I, yeah. Yeah. Did you know before? You, because I think no. Was your, I think it was your birthday. Yeah, we went for my birthday. I don't. I don't. We wanted to go watch it because they had aliens that you blew up that looked like bugs. Yeah. We were we, we were very sophomoric back in the day because we were still in like freshman high school. school. Yeah. So it would have made sense. Yeah. Um. You have one of my, another one that doesn't come up a whole often a lot, but I think is, you know, a real you know worry tale here is known as idiocracy. Oh. So idiocracy assumes that um, that in the future here, tech, the way technology has kind of progressed here, or the, at least the people who have progressed, um, keep getting dumber and dumber. And the rationale for why people keep getting dumber and dumber is that the smart people don't procreate as much; they only procreate like one or two children at most. Yeah. As where the pretty as as opposed to the really dumb people over procreate, so they keep you know. They have multiple, multiple, multiple children. Right. And over the course of about 500, you know, 500 plus years of overpopulation of the world here, plus the fact that, again, you keep putting these dumber and dumber people into certain fields and jobs that, you know, they're, they're teachers, they're your presidents, they're your other fields of stuff here. Like, these people are not bright that... You can manipulate them. They won't, they're so very easily manipulated to the point in which, like, the crops aren't growing where they're being served electrolytes, you know, because that's what plants want. Yeah. Because, you know, that's a slogan for a company that sells, you know, water, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you want to give them water? It's like, yes, because that's what plants need to grow. You mean, like, the stuff from the toilet? Yeah. It's, it's that kind of a movie of, like, you know, a very average, by the books, average human being, literally a 100 IQ here at the end of the day, yeah, is the smartest man in history for for the rest of them. Wow. They literally make a point. It's like I'm the smartest guy in the world. It's like, yeah, like to the point that some people can't even say nuclear. It's it's a chilling sort of tale at the end of the day because I think it could theoretically happen. Um, it. it it's very much a satirical thing at the end of the day, but like it's still pretty on the nose, I think. And the last one I wanted to talk about here was Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's interesting about Planet of the Apes here actually is that if you assume the... So they had a bunch of prequel sort of movies that are meant to be a reboot of the franchise. Yeah. Now, they're not necessarily yes or no as far as being a part of the franchise at all, but they say in uh, 2015 there is a drug that they're testing on a chimpanzees, which is meant to get the chimpanzees um, 
improved cerebral uh, neurolinkage and stuff to mm -hmm. basically make them, not intentionally to make them smarter, but to make their brains more active at the end of the day. Right. One of those chimps is a chimp named Caesar who ends up growing up with a human family, who ends up becoming human smart essentially at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and ends up being found out and has to go live with other chimps again, unfortunately. In the process, they find out that they're actually developing a new version of the same drug that they were testing beforehand that they didn't release at the end of the day. Um, and it's poisonous to humans, but not to chimps. And for chimps, yeah, it radically increases the strength of your cerebral cortex in your brain so you could learn how to say words and you can learn how to use guns and all, all sorts of stuff like that. Yep. So this is basically how the Planet of the Apes franchise starts. Um, there are how many Planet of the Apes movies are there? There's got to be like six, yeah. Six. So there's say got to be five or six. Yeah. So if if you assume if you count the 2005 2006 reboot reboot by Tim Burton, uh -huh. um, you know, so you count that one in there. But the last three ones are kind of in more of this prequel sort of territory, right? Um, with you know again Caesar being the most prominent sort of character here with. His son Cornelius eventually being born. So, and again, um, all those initially take place here in the 2015s, so as where the actual original movie um, from I think 1971, 1972. I want to say Charleston, Charlton Heston. It takes place in 3978. Yeah. So 3978 uh, presumes a world in which um, these primates have become more human in nature um, and, and now take over the world, as where the humans are slaves and chattel at the end of the day is the yeah. best way to describe it uh, and it's not known how it happened until they realize until Charles Heston finds uh, part of the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty and realizes you know like we did it to ourselves Elves, yeah so so those are a bunch of movies um side note to include uh, Mad Max you know which is basically what happens if the world runs out of gas and food yeah uh, Gattaca, which is also about eugenics here. Uh, the notion that eugenics is a widely practiced sort of thing in people who are not uh, genetically altered, um, while not illegal or not, are basically kind of forced out of certain jobs and careers and basically uh, designated to just menial labor at the end of the day. Create Creates two standards of, of human beings. Mm -hmm. yeah. Two citizens, uh, basically a second-class citizen. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, the other one I found as well, which was Mortal Engines. This is a more newer movie that came out, but an older book. Um, basically presumes that there was a somewhat sometime in the future there was a war that basically devastated the world and turned off all the major electronics of some stuff here and forced these giant cities on wheels, literally treads and wheels, to exist that hunt down other cities Ooh. on treads and wheels to... Harvest fuel uh, resources and other stuff. So st sort sort of Snowpiercer. Very Snowpiercer esque in some cases, yeah. Um, what? Which is an interesting question. What what time period does Snowpiercer take place in? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think of Snowpiercer at all for this. Not until you said it. Sorry. Uh, but again, I'm assuming far flung future. Yeah. So and there's a lot more movies that we didn't include that I didn't include. These are the ones that. Um, I thought of off the top of my head and also yeah. was able to find from some YouTube sources and some Wikipedia articles, but um, the future... It's a long list. It's, a, it's seven it's, pages. So, worth. Yeah, so, so what's interesting to me in all of this is that um, 
a lot of movies assume that that the dramatic future mm-hmm. is within a 40 year 30 40 year period ahead of the time that they're in yes. 20 30 40 year period yeah so the project they're not projecting forward whole centuries a lot of these they're really only projecting forward which is why a lot of them happen a lot of the things in the in the 80s 70s 80s 90s happen in a time period that has already taken place as of the time we're talking now yeah. in 2021 um the, the the dramatic future is just over the hedge well what i found kind of interesting is that a lot of these a lot of these movies despite being about the future we're not super optimistic about the future at all. I mean, like, a lot of these movies are more about, you know, either A, the future is future is among us and we're not either A, using it correctly or we're using it in a really mean way, or we have to protect humans from themselves because humans are goddamn stupid creatures that are trying to kill themselves. Well, and that's back to, to my earlier comment with, with they don't really foresee the better angels ever in nature. No. Uh, coming to four. Um and and really sort of project uh, an abysmal future. I'm I'm now really want to watch V for Vendetta because um, that that foresees a, a, civil, and, and, a civil war and a pandemic and and things that are right now happening. Mm-hmm. Well, and again for V for Vendetta, which again when you read it out loud, it's kind of like wow, really. Um, again, like that's all the subtext happening in the background, sort of happening right. versus like a lot of the more political sort of like you know police state fascist sort of government stuff a lot of a lot of yeah and and all of these movies you know that's the other thread is a lot of them foresee a police state necessary to manage man Mm -hmm. or so much as that we need to trick human beings into living in a certain way in order to progress the human civilization because if they got out of you know if they were left alone to their own devices you know like they'll kill themselves they're they're not only going to kill themselves they're going to destroy the entire freaking world well, and that's back to Einstein's famous quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, those are some future movies, and then I think next week we'll have uh, a slightly larger topic to deal with. What's that? Oh, it's a, it's a very large topic. It's a very large topic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I know. All right. So um, we're gonna have all these movies on our all these movies and some of the notes included with them on our website. And an and, awesome graphic. It's an awesome. Oh graphic. yeah, no, and the office, awesome graphic is basically just gonna be like the front image that we have yeah. for this year. Um, that this is all going to be available on our website at thenewertutorialpodcast.com. If you want to follow us with the conversation and you want to continue it online, we have our Facebook group as well at facebook.com forward slash podcast, all is one word. And then if you have ideas for future topics or suggestions for other topics or you want to see some of the topics we've covered in the past, you can go ahead and visit us at our uh, Twitter at nerd underscore tutorial. Where again, we follow all of our old topics here um, as well. So if anything new happens in those, you can see our timeline feed on that and see all the cool stuff that's happening. Um, But on behalf of myself and my mom, we hope you guys stay safe out there in these weird times. And we'll see you guys again next time. Bye. Bye.